your news program every morning with up-to-the-minute news and extensive analysis of issues from Korea and abroad. This morning with Alex Jensen on TBS EFM. So Tokyo's latest claim that there's no evidence proving that the Korean sex slaves of the last century were coerced into becoming comfort women has once again angered the public here, has again raised questions regarding whether that apology we saw in December was sincere. Joining us to discuss the proper role of an apology for war crimes that violate human rights is David Tolbert, president of the International Centre for Transitional Justice. Good morning from Seoul. Good evening from New York. It's great to have you you? with us. Great to be here. What's your take on the Korean government's latest response, which has again emphasised the value of its deal that it reached with Tokyo, has insisted that it will pursue urging Japan to satisfy all conditions of their agreement? Well, I think there's some problems with the agreement, as you may have read from the my op-ed uh, on this topic. And that is, the, uh, while an apology is important, uh, victims are entitled to a right to a remedy. And the apology uh, is very limited, and it also uh, has not been really accepted by the victim communities, uh, and I think that's for a reason. It's, it's, and it seems to be more the result of some kind of political bargaining, including the taking down of an important statue, and uh, the Korean government renouncing any further, uh, any further dialogue on this issue. So I think there are a lot of serious questions about the, the apology, and it certainly would not be in line with what uh, we've seen in a number of other countries where, we would ex- where we've seen apologies uh, as a part of this very important right to a remedy for victims. Yeah, I mean, let's just take a look at some of the issues there. Uh, th- there is okay. the lack of legal binding, which sole victims have really made a point about. We've seen them hold press conferences here in the capital. There are a number of these uh, centres around the country that support these these women. They also wanted to be directly involved, as you've suggested. They, they were bypassed by negotiators from South Korea. But uh, also there is this feeling that it wasn't sincere. H- how can we measure the sincerity of an apology and how does that stack up next to it being legally binding? Well, I think there's a number of elements that we would be looking from an apology. If we look at, you know, a broad experience here, I mean, judging the sincerity is not only judging it by the words that are uttered, but what is uh, the other actions that are uh, that are attached to it. And usually, when we see a sincere apology, uh, we see that tied to reparations. We see that tied to. Uh, an acknowledgement of the facts and acceptance of responsibility. It is kind of the opposite of denial. Um, in this case, uh, the apology is, uh, is, as the victims have themselves demonstrated, uh, not containing uh, a number of those elements. Um, it's, the, uh, the, it's, it's, it's limited to South Korea or, the, uh, or to the Korean uh, comfort women. It does not address comfort women in a 
uh, a variety of other countries in Southeast Asia. There is no uh, provision for reparation. And then there's this very troubling aspect of taking down a memorial to the to, to comfort women that's part of this deal. So it has all the indicia of a kind of political bargaining and not something that's uh, really addressed like a proper apology should be. We've done a study of this in uh, ICTJ and published a, a recent uh, a recent uh, study on what apology should look like, and much of that is missing in this in this case. Well, can you outline briefly for us what you found in that report? Yeah, what we try to do is look at, uh, and and those of your listeners who are interested in this, they can go to our website and read it. Uh, it's, uh, it's not a terribly long report. Uh, it's called More Than Words, Apologies as a Form of Reparation. And that and is the what, ICTJ's what we, website. www.ictj.org. Um, and what I think apologies should be, they're really a form of reparations which acknowledge that human rights have been violated. And what we see uh, in countries that are serious about apologies, that are serious about reparations, and serious about transitional justice, this comes through a consultation process. We ask the government, ask the victims, what is their need? What are they, what are they looking for? In this case, there was, uh, they, there was no consultation with survivors or their victims' families. The, the, the victim's input is, is very important, and I think this is part of the reason you see the backlash in South Korea. The apologies are uh, not really in, in, uh, even in writing. Uh, and the other thing that's very troubling is that an apology should lead to more. As I've said, reparations, but truth-seeking, getting to the truth, um, really is a part of collect the collective reckoning of society for those human rights violations, not a kind of tied-up deal uh, we're going to we're going to create this fund, and that's the end of it. It should be mm. the beginning of a process, not 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 a kind of tied up package. Yeah. So Japan's insistence that this was uh, finally and irreversibly resolved immediately raised question marks. It was almost like it was trying to snatch this this agreement and run away with it. Um, until the victims themselves refuse to play ball. We wait for South Korea's official stance to shift on this because it remains in favour of the deal, as mentioned before. Let's just say in theory, Mr Tolbert, that this apology and the reparations were in place to the satisfaction of the victims, that they had been involved. Is it then possible for a nation-state to undo that apology? Let's say a government in 20 years denied that this ever happened. Would, would we go back to square one then? Well, I mean, I think that would be a great breach of uh, trust and a great breach of resp international responsibility for a government to go back on uh, an apology. I, I don't think it's impossible, of course, but that's one of the reasons that you want something more than simply the words. The words may be important, but when you want reparations, which provide material and symbolic addressing of these uh, of the injuries of the victims then you then uh, you, you can't go very well you can't very, very well go back and take reparations away from the victims mm. so we're looking for real acknowledgement not simply words and i think if you look at uh, at uh, you can look at a number of societies where we've we've had very serious uh, apologies in germany you will recall as i think many of your listeners will as well to the uh, that powerful 
symbol of Billy Braun falling in front onto his knees at the uh, at the uh, memorial to the, uh, the victims of the Warsaw Ghetto mm. and the apologies the German government provided, reparations programs. Uh, in Chile back in the 90s, uh, President Al- uh, um, Alvin uh, apologized and provided reparations. So there are a number of examples yes. where this has happened in international society and in other societies. And we, we just don't really see that here. There's a certain irony there because Prime Minister Shinzo Abe suggested that South Korea's reputation would be forever tarnished in the international community if Seoul was to make a U-turn on this agreement. But in theory, it should be Japan's reputation that's tarnished by not offering a sincere apology and reparations to these women who are elderly in South Korea alone, there are less than 50 survivors. Of course, that's not even taking into account other countries as well. So time's running out. But why is Japan's reputation not tarnished by this? It, it seems to me that most of the world either doesn't know or doesn't care. Well, I, I think that, that uh, unfortunately, is, uh, is somewhat true. But certainly those of us who are working in this area, and I know that uh, the United Nations, the... Uh, the, uh, uh, the head of human rights uh, in Geneva, the special rapporteurs that are engaged in this, all of those, the, of those of us who are engaged in this issue find this, the fact that this set of horrendous crimes has never been addressed in any kind of uh, effective way to be scandalous. And so, yes, I'm afraid it, it does dip off of the, out of the news, but I think those who are aware of the, you know, the terrible things that happened in the 20th century, and there were many, this is one that has you know, really uh, a complete failure to address it. And, uh, I know there's a, a Korean yeah. movie on this subject matter that uh, saw a tra- trailer recently for, but it requires that kind of mass media communication, uh, something in, in a popular art form to, to grip the world with all respect. It can't be solely academic reports and, and Korean PR. It's got to be something globally credible, doesn't it? Yeah, and I think this is one of the reasons that uh, organizations like mine look at the importance of culture, look at the importance of arts, uh, the importance of outreach. Uh, um, you know, transitional justice measures, whether we're talking about reparations or criminal prosecutions or or truth commissions, there, there's a very important element of uh, public outreach. Indeed. Um, that's one of the reasons I'm appearing on your, your, and it's, your show and it's, today. It's been an absolute pleasure having you with us, and please do keep up the great work. David Tolbert from the International Centre for Transitional Justice. Our email remains open to you, efmthismorning at gmail.com.